Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10 uh, is the story of Zacchaeus. And I'll just read it and then we're going to pray and then we're going to get into uh, just some thoughts that God dropped in my heart. Uh, as we kind of come into this Christmas season. Verse 1 says this, Jesus entered Jericho and, by, and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. Y- you need to understand something about Zacchaeus. Uh, he was a Jew, but he was considered a traitor. And the reason why he was considered a traitor was because he was a tax collector. And tax collectors in that day, they represented Rome, uh, they were collecting, and not only were they collecting taxes, but they were known as very uh, violent individuals, they would beat people up, they would uh, take advantage of people, they would charge them more, uh, they just treated people poorly uh, in general, and then of course his connection with Rome, and uh, the Jews had a real great resistance against the occupation of Rome and the way that they uh, handled things and led things, and so on both sides, this, this man was completely ousted by his culture, uh, but he was very wealthy and very, very set in life, and things were going really well for him on the other side as far as, you know, uh, stability. But he wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, what had happened here was, uh, just before this passage of scripture, uh, Jesus was coming into Jericho, and he met blind Bartimaeus, and of course, he healed blind Bartimaeus, and so, of course, now the rumors are spreading through town, and so, you know, we know that at this point, Zacchaeus had heard about these things, so he wanted to see who Jesus was. I want you to highlight that, because we're going to come back to that in a second. But because he was a short man, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him. He positioned himself, I want you to highlight that part, that, that he climbed into a sycamore tree, so that he could see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to to Zacchaeus, come down immediately, because I must stay at your house today. Meaning, can I just go hang out with you? The the phrase here is this idea of actually not just coming over for dinner, it's actually, I'm going to stay at your place overnight. I mean, talk about like inserting yourself into someone's life. Hey, you know, hey, Norm, I'm just coming over to your house, and uh, if you can make up the guest bed, that would really be great. That's awesome. Thank you, you know. And, and so, you know, he's like, Zacchaeus, I want to come, and I want to connect with you. And so, of course, you know, uh, you know, so he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. There was an excitement inside of his heart. But all of the other people, all of the other Jews that were surrounding him, they began to mutter because, you know, they said to themselves, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The, the New Living Translation uses the term not- notorious. He was well known in town. It's like, Jesus, really, again, you're doing this whole hanging out with sinners type of thing. You know, they're notorious, they're, they're evil, there's, you know, why would you do this? You're a rabbi, you are defiling yourself by just being in their presence. And once again, here we go, renegade Jesus starts doing things the opposite of what everybody else expected. And they weren't pleased. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. Now, what's interesting is there's a debate theologically whether or not this was in the moment 
or it was at later on in, in Zacchaeus' home, and many believe it was more about time had passed between the comments that were said to this moment that Zacchaeus, and I believe it's the same thing, there was a moment that Zacchaeus had long after when he was with Jesus, and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I will give half of my possessions to the poor. Which, by the way, is opposite of what had happened earlier, I believe, in Luke chapter 18, where Jesus had a conversation with the rich young ruler, and he said, what must I do in order to be saved? And he said, you got to give up everything. And it wasn't about possession. It was about surrender. Are you willing to make me priority over what you enjoy? And the rich young ruler couldn't do it, and he broke down weeping, and he left. But now this encounter that Blind Barton, or sorry, that Zacchaeus is having with Jesus, instantly there's this, this encounter, this experience that led to this incredible conversion where he now is saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to give up half of what I own to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to go back and I'm going to pay them four times the amount. That actually was you know, uh, the harshest penalty under Jewish law, when you cheated somebody out of something, you paid them back restitution, but it was four times what you took from them. He took the hardest way. He was so convicted by the presence of Jesus. The encounter with Jesus had changed him in such a way that it just led him, I just, I want to do this, Jesus, to make things right. I'm going to, I'm going to give back four times what I've taken from every person that I've ever cheated. Can you imagine? Four times. Give up half of my wealth. And then Jesus looked at him. And not because of what he did. What he did was evidence of the depth of the conviction and the conversion experience that Zacchaeus had in the presence of, uh, of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And I want you to highlight this last part. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus leaves his note, and Luke, the writer, emphasizes that this is the mission. I want to pray really quickly, and then I want to get into this. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everybody here, and I ask, Holy Spirit, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open, and we would hear what you have to say. That, God, we would be obedient to what your word calls us to, and that, God, we'd have the courage to follow it out. And so, Lord, be with us. Let your presence stir in our hearts and take this word and dig it deep within us in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever had a small gesture make an impact or an impression on you? Like it's led to your either changing your attitude about something or, you know, you've... Um, you know, it's, it's just changed your ways. Maybe it's even changed your life. I don't know. But, but I've been a part of something that was, in our, on our side, a small gesture that led to a significant impression that was made. I remember years ago when we were in Chatham, uh, we had started this ministry uh, as part of our youth ministry called NSA, No Strings Attached. And we actually went into the community once a month on a Saturday morning, and we did random acts of kindness. Everything from standing outside of Tim Hortons drive through uh, and paying for people's coffee to uh, walking around in the neighborhood handing out light bulbs. I know it sounds stupid, but even in that, I remember one of my students walking around going, this is so dumb. Why am I handing out light bulbs? And he literally walked up to some guy that was in his garage, and uh, he said, hey, listen, sir, I'm from Evangel Community Church, and we're handing out light bulbs, just a random act of kindness to show the love of God. And... 
you know, in a practical way. And the guy looks at him and goes, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, that's why I'm in my garage. I'm looking for a light bulb. No, that's, that is a total, it's like, like, that is the truth, man. Like, it was crazy. And so we would do these kinds of things. And after a while, I got to a point with my youth group, it would only be a few group, uh, a few of my kids. And I just, I got to the place where I'm like, no, serving our community and serving people needs to be a part of our DNA. So I shifted it. And I made sure that, that's it, listen, once a month on a Friday night, our normal youth night, if you're coming to youth, you're helping us serve, and we're going to do a serve project once a month. And we did it for about a year and a half before Cor and I ended up moving up to Barrie. And we would have like 40, 45 students show up, you know, not as much as we would normally have for a service or, you know, that type of thing. Normally we'd run like 70, 80 students and, you know, and whatever, but, but at least half of them would show up and we would do stuff. And, and I remember this one time uh, calling the food bank saying, hey, listen, we want to go into the community and collect some food items for you guys. Is there any um, thing that we need to know and understand? What kind of items do you need? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they're thinking some local church, some little church and probably a handful of kids and collect a few cans, you know, no big deal. Well, I had 40 or 45 students show up, and we made this a whole competition, because you know what, students, you got to make everything a competition, right? And so we had cars and leaders, and we're like, all right, listen, you've got, you know, one hour to collect food items for the food bank and meet us at the food bank, and then I had it planned to go into the food bank, drop off the boxes, and then ask the director, we asked the director to be prepared to take 20 minutes and explain to my kids the need for the food bank in Chatham, Ontario. And to their amazement, they found out that there was a thousand people that used the food bank every single week in Chatham, Ontario. Thousand people. It blew my mind, it blew the hearts of my kids. But what was crazy is when we got to, um, to, the, to the food bank and we're, and we're pulling up in the cars, the director's standing at the door and her mouth is literally on the floor. Like, she can't believe it. She's like, I how many kids do you have? Like, they just keep coming. And we kept coming in with boxes and boxes and boxes of food items. And she's like, I, 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 and she is totally unprepared for the amount of kids. And I just said, well, there's about 40, 45 of us or so that are, you know, here tonight. And, and she's like, man, I, are, so help me understand this. These students gave up their Friday night to go, and it was cold. Like, it was crazy cold like, it, like, I don't know, if, I can't remember if it was winter or it was that close to winter, but it was freezing out that day. And she's like, so they gave up their Friday night on a super cold night to collect items for us. And I'm like, yes. She goes, I am absolutely stunned. I don't even know what to say. And for the next 25 minutes, that's all she could say. I, I can't believe you guys are here. I can't believe that students would give up their time to do this. So we do our thing and we leave, and the next thing you know, about, about a week or so later, someone uh, calls me and says, hey, did you see the local newspaper? And I, I don't necessarily read the local newspaper, it's not my thing, you know, and, uh, and so anyway, I said, no, I hadn't. And they said, well, just go get a copy and look at the letter to the editor. And it was a letter from the food bank director giving this incredible shout out to our students from Community Church. Evangel Community Church, and how amazed she was at this generation because she assumed that this generation wouldn't care. And a small gesture on our part, my part just to get my students to think about serving bigger than themselves, 
not just to be good citizens, but to build a bridge to their community, to show the love of God in a practical way, made such an impression on this food bank director that now she's got to let the whole world or Chatham, Ontario know. Chatham's not the whole world, trust me. Chatham thinks they're the whole world, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it's crazy. One small gesture on our part made an impression and a change in someone's attitude towards the next generation. So I go back to my question, have you ever had one like that? Because Zacchaeus did. The simple gesture was one of the most, had one of the most biggest, in fact, it was the biggest impact on his life. The moment was when Zacchaeus is sitting in that tree and he's looking and Jesus comes and Jesus calls him out by name and says, hey, can I come hang out with you? Hey, can I just, can I connect with you? Hey, Zacchaeus, can you come down from the tree? And he's around this crowd. And remember, Jesus is just passing through Jericho. He, there is no intention on his part to stay. But now he's encountered, you know, Zacchaeus. And he sees Zacchaeus. And he's like, I just want to hang out with you. Simple gesture. I want to just go have supper with you. I want to hang out with you for the evening. I want to talk to you, Zacchaeus. And all of a sudden, from this simple gesture, this simple connection, this simple encounter, simply led this notorious sinner to have such an encounter with Jesus that had led him to converting and giving his life to Jesus. And the change in his life was seen and evidenced by the, you know, the, the giving back or the restitution that he paid. He felt like, man, I've got to do this because of my love for Jesus, because of this encounter and this experience with Jesus. And it's moments like this that, 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 and even this week, like I said, I was standing on the treadmill. I wasn't even sure what I was going to preach on. And as I was walking, all of a sudden, the Lord just said, Zacchaeus. And that was it. That was all I heard. And I'm reminded of the mission. Jesus made it clear, I'm on a mission. The mission is to seek and save the lost. Meaning, you know, Jesus is like, the word seek is this idea of searching like a detective. Like, it's, it's like you're looking intentionally for something specific. Jesus said, that's my mission. I'm looking specifically for the lost. Meaning people that are, you know what's interesting about this word? The word lost is you're away from something, but you're near something. You're near enough to it but you're still away from it, but you're just right there. And what Jesus was referring to is you're lost because he knows that without him, you're this close to spiritual death, meaning an eternity without God. And Jesus said, I've come. This is why I've come. I've come to die. I've come to rise again so that I can pay for your sins, so that I can conquer sin and death in your life, so that I can take you from being close enough yet or far enough away that you're not close anymore to what you're facing. That now instead of being lost, you're found. You're home. You're in relationship with God. And I'm reminded this morning that sometimes that journey can start for somebody through a simple gesture. A simple gesture of whether it's blessing someone or, you know, taking time to check in on your neighbor because your neighbor's not well and, you know, maybe taking a moment to pray with them like I shared with you for the last number of weeks, walking that journey with my neighbor who's, who's going through cancer. I'm sure everyone in this room has someone like that. It might be a simple gesture of like we did, you know, Halloween and the pit stops and, you know, we're serving coffee and, and this lady walks up to our particular, and I'm sure there's other stories from the pit stops as well, but she walked up, she moved into the area, and when she found out that it was a church, 
Like she was just blown away. Why would a church be out here, you know, serving hot chocolate and candy? And she's like, this doesn't make any sense. She goes, my mother-in-law is a Christian. I guarantee right now she's praying against this entire thing tonight. She's probably at home, you know, on her knees praying against Halloween. And, and you're out here, you're out here, you're out here like Jesus would be out here. She didn't say that, but she might as well had said it. You're in a place that a lot of people might consider uncomfortable. To me, it's, we're just serving. We're being present. And she said to me, she said, man, you know what, I think, I think I'm going to check out your church. I'm going to at least go to the website. We're new in the area, and I just want to get connected. I'm like, okay. It could be as simple, and yes, these are shameless plugs. You know me. I'm not above manipulation. I will manipulate like crazy, man. Let that convict you. I need some people to show up next Saturday to help me with the tree lighting. I need some people that are willing to walk the parade with t-shirts as brightly colored as they are that say Looney Bin to just make our presence known in our community that says, hey, listen, we're here to serve. Now, get, let me just be very clear. Because some people would do things with the motive of, I'm only going to do it if you get saved. I remember years ago, a pastor saying to me, because I had suggested that maybe we put a ball diamond on this property that we were buying and, and we were going to build. And he looked at me, and, and it was genuine in his heart. He says, well, how many people are going to come to Jesus through a ball diamond? Because that's a lot of money to lead someone to Jesus. I'm like, now listen, you got to know, man, I, when I was younger, I was really blunt and raw. I wasn't a seasoned veteran, and I already feel like I'm blunt and raw now. But you can imagine when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, where I think I can, like, you know, do whatever in the world. And in my head, I didn't say it. I wanted to. And my head was like, well, let's talk about what we're doing now to lead people to Jesus, because I ain't seeing anybody. In fact, that was the moment that the Holy Spirit started to stir in my heart and Cora's heart that I'm tired of traditional church. That was the beginning. And I value my history, I value my heritage, I value all of those things, there's some amazing stuff with it. But sometimes we forgot as the local church that we are here to be a part of the mission to seek and save the lost. That means you go to where they are. And don't get me wrong, my motive to serve, I, to be quite honest with you, my first motive to serve is I'm just here to serve because I actually think that that is the appropriate response and expression of someone who deeply loves Jesus. So I'll always serve, regardless of, so the ball diamond, you know, uh, standing on the corner during the coldest night or handing out hot chocolate on Halloween when I could be in my comfy home and just open up the door and drop a few candies in someone's kid's bag and let them go, you know. Like I have other things that I can do, but I do it because I just want to serve. What can I do to serve? What can I do to bless? Because here's something else that I know. Not only do I believe, and we'll always serve regardless of what comes back in return. You need to hear my heart about that. It's not about what comes back in return. It's just about expressing Jesus. It's about expressing the love of God in a practical way. But I also have found over the years that, that God has used some of those moments to, to open the door, to, to build a bridge, to, to make someone think for a moment, or maybe even begin their journey to faith. A simple gesture. And I want you to know this is us. 
that we want to be community engaged. We want to seek out the lost. We want to serve them and bless them. We want to be kind to them. We want to be everything that Jesus would be to them today. And my prayer is, yes, that one day, somewhere along the line, whether it's here or somewhere else, that a combination of the simple gestures that we do, maybe another simple gesture like somebody else. I've kind of read it somewhere where, where Paul kind of says this. He goes, listen, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and oh, wait, what happened right there? God made it grow. That's what I want to do. And so before I move on, please sign up to be a part of the uh, Christmas tree lighting at the Memorial Park and... Uh, you know, the Christmas parade, because, hey, we're here to serve. We're here to serve. And you never know who's looking. You never know who's looking. You know what? If I'm being honest with you, I'm sure there was a lot of dirty looks that, you know, uh, that good old uh, Zacchaeus had here in this moment because everything from, listen, uh, nobody wants to be around Zacchaeus. It was clear. Everyone hated him. He's not Mr. Popular in the room. He might be popular with the Roman government and all of, other, all of his other tax collector buddies, but he's not popular. But for whatever reason, Zacchaeus made his way through the crowd because he was curious. It certainly wasn't, in, to be honest with you, on paper, it wouldn't seem like he had much of a need. He was stable in life. He had all that he wanted. He was wealthy. Things are good for him. Yes, he might be hated, but that comes to the territory. If you're a tax collector, people don't like you. Listen, let's be honest. When people take your taxes, you don't necessarily like them. Let's be honest. You know what I'm saying. That's right. When you get your paycheck, you're going, what? Where did my money go? You know, that kind of a thing. But there was something about Jesus that stirred in Zacchaeus' heart. That led him to go through the crowd. And even to the point where he had to position himself to see Jesus. Because he had height issues. That's all I'll say. He was vertically challenged. You know, like he just, here we go. And on paper, it wouldn't seem like he's much. But maybe, just maybe, beyond the curiosity, there's a possibility. You never know why someone's looking. You never know when they're looking. You don't really don't know, to be quite honest with you. Because Zacchaeus must have shocked a few people. Like, Zacchaeus, why are you in this crowd? Why are you climbing a tree to see Jesus? Why do you even care? But something grabbed him. Could have been curiosity. I think that's the major one. It could be that, yeah, maybe he was at a point in his life where he's like, man, I'm tired of being hated by my own culture. I'm tired of being considered a, 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 you know, a traitor. And, 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 and every time I walk into a room, all of my own people, except for my own maybe immediate family, just turns their back on me. You never know who's looking. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting how God does things. On uh, Friday, I, uh, I went to get my hair cut. And, uh, and so I was driving, and I go to this place down by the Burlington waterfront. And uh, thanks, Scott Burton. He introduced it to me, and now I'm stuck going there. And, you know, and, you know, and every time I go down, I'm like, man, I drive 20 minutes to get a haircut. And as much as I like this place, and I love the fact that you can go online and you know, book your appointment. You don't have to, like, call or make an appointment when you get there to make for the next time, all that good stuff. And, and, uh, and you know, and so, anyways, I, I'm driving. I'm like, ah. Uh. So I get there, 
And I get in the chair, and I really do, I, like, I really do like, you know, my hairdresser. She's a great person. It's all good and everything. And, but for the last year and a half, you got to know something about my, my hairdresser. She's a great person, but she's really raw. Like, she'll say anything and everything. Like, when we're talking and sitting there, and she knows that I'm a pastor, so sometimes I kind of grin and chuckle. Because there's things that she'll say that I'm like, wow, like, you remember I'm a pastor, right? Like, you know, like, and it's just, and she's just talking. I usually just listen. I'm just listening. You know, and I'll chime in here and there, and we'll laugh about some stuff and, and whatever. But she's really, she's got really strong opinions about stuff, and she's not afraid to share her opinions. And it doesn't matter what it is, and, and she'll go off for about five, six minutes. And, you know, and depending on the topic, I'm really careful when I chime in because it really, she's got that razor to my head, and, you know, stuff like that. I'm really nervous about saying anything because I don't want it to, you know, get messed up. I mean, this is the moneymaker right here, you know. So, uh, but... <laughs> At least in my headspace. But anyway, so. <laughs> and so, you know, but yesterday. So year and a half, probably over a year and a bit I've been going here. Maybe even closer to two years. She knows I'm a pastor, and that's as far as we've gone as far as conversation. About religion. Till Friday. And all of a sudden on Friday, she starts in on a conversation about religion. And she starts talking about, you know, her friend who's about to get her uh, children uh, baptized as infants in the Catholic Church and whatever. And, and then she started talking about her own experience. And then she started talking about, you know, religions, world religions, and how she, you know, she's not sure. Even though she grew up in the Catholic Church, she's not sure. She kind of believes that everything leads to the same point, the same God, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and so, and I, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm just quiet. And while I'm being quiet, I can hear the Lord just kind of going, that's why I talked to you about Zacchaeus. And I was like, ah, oh, here we go. Because, you know, sometimes I like to just sit there, cut my hair, get out the door. I'm good. And how many are like that? How many like just get, in, get your hair cut and get it done, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Katie, for being honest. The rest of these people need to repent afterwards. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. Because you all know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden... When she made the statement, I think there's something out there. She don't know what. And then she got into the whole extraterrestrial thing and, you know, and different worlds and universes. And, and I was going, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I can hear the Lord going, engage this conversation. She's looking. She may not even know she's looking. She's looking. And that's why your appointment got canceled on Thursday afternoon so that you can reschedule for Friday morning. Let's go. And I said to her, I go, hey, so you believe that there's this supernatural being. You just don't know if it's God. Let's just start there for a second. If there is just a supernatural being, wouldn't there be a purpose to our existence? Like, what's the point? And she's like, exactly. Yeah, that's a great question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I said, uh, I said obviously, I, I, in fact, I couldn't even remember if I told her I was a pastor, Right? And I said, I don't know if I remember telling you that I was a pastor. She goes, yeah, yeah, I know you're a pastor. And 
And uh, which mar- then I started to marvel at the fact that she knew I was a pastor. And some of the things that she would say to me, I'm just kind of dying now inside because I'm like, I know, you know, like it's just so raw. It's comical. And she, uh, so I said to her, I go, well, obviously, like, and you've got Catholic upbringing. I really, I'm, I'm not there on all religions lead to the same place. I actually think there's only one way. His name is Jesus. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. And you can tell. Either the wheels are spinning or she's just rushing the haircut to get me out the door to keep going. You know what I mean? Like, I choose to believe that it was stirring inside of her heart. And uh, I began to share with her two encounters that I had in the last week. Or last two weeks, actually, with two individuals that have been coming to community for the last little while. One of them has been serving Jesus for about a year and a half. That was looking for happiness, looking for purpose in life. And the, the other person that I met with, exact same thing, just looking for happiness, purpose in life. Had just had a real horrible run of life circumstances. Both of them went down the road of checking out Eastern religions. Both of them saying it started out really good, but eventually I found myself at that exact same spot that I was when I was looking before. I just felt empty. I felt like it didn't have what I was looking for. It didn't, it just didn't hit me where, and, and, and I was reminded of something I'd said to the first individual, you know, and I said this to her as we're sitting in the chair. I said, you know, I believe that there is a lot of things in life that can give us joy, happiness, purpose, it's not to suggest that those things don't happen through, you know, our careers or families, but there's, a, there's an element within our lives to make us complete where I believe it's like, a, it's like a puzzle piece where there's a piece of the puzzle that's missing and it's reserved for only God. And we try to put other things in that place. And that's why it doesn't feel like it fits because it doesn't belong there. The only person that can bring ultimate fulfillment to your life, both through salvation and relationship, is Jesus Christ. I believe that. That spot's reserved for God, and you can try to put anything and everything in there, but it will never feel like it fits, and it'll always feel like it doesn't belong, or it'll feel like, or you will know that it is short-lived because it's temporary. It's not from God. God is eternal, and everything that he does lasts for eternity. His love is eternal. His mercy is eternal. His grace is eternal. His salvation is eternal. It does not end. I didn't get that excited when I was, you know, sitting in the chair. I just said, I think there's a piece missing, and I think it's God. And I asked her the question. I said, you know, when you were a kid, did you engage that journey of faith? She's like, well, you know, we went every day, but I never really engaged it. So I told her I heard from a good, I heard from a podcast that I was listening to the night that I was on the treadmill. The pastor said, you know, I've had people leave my church and said I didn't get anything out of it. And he goes, I always remember the old adage, you get what you put into it. And so he goes, I always ask people that say I didn't get anything out of it, what did you put into it? You want to know God, you've got to engage God. You've got to walk down that journey. And that's what those two individuals have discovered over the last, one of them the last year and a half, where they started to engage God. And all of a sudden, life is different. Why? Because it's Jesus. You never know who's looking. 
But I can tell you this today, people are looking and, maybe, and they might be positioning themselves and they don't even know that they're positioning themselves, themselves for Jesus because, you know, it could be just, I'm just trying to find purpose. I'm just trying to find life. I'm just trying to find happiness. I'm just trying to find joy. I'm just trying to find stability. Who knows what the window is? Who knows what the door is? Who knows what the, the bridge could be? But maybe your simple gesture might be the starting point for someone's journey to faith. Just like Zacchaeus, Jesus' simple gesture, hey, can I hang out with you? And in that encounter and that experience, he gave his life to Christ. And it was deep, evidenced by what he did. But here's the other thing, and I'm going to wrap this up. You never know who's looking, but I'm going to be very clear today. Just know this, he's always looking. And he knows your name. Do you know what's interesting to me is that Zacchaeus, even though he's in this sycamore tree, you notice that Jesus calls him by name. Now, nothing tells us in the scriptures that he knew of Zacchaeus' reputation. He might have. But I think the encounter that, that Jesus is having with Zacchaeus is no different than the encounter that Jesus had with Peter when, when he knew Peter. He knew Peter. He knew exactly who Peter was when he first called him to be a disciple. He knew how imperfect he was. But he knew what eventually he was going to do. And I'll tell you why. Psalm chapter 139, it's up on the screen. I love this, verse 1 to 6 says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. God knows you. I think when he saw Zacchaeus, it wasn't just because of his reputation. It wasn't just because he was in a tree. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He knew his heart. He knew where he was at. He knew what he faced. He knew his struggles. He knew his fears. He knew his hurts. He knew his successes. He knew everything about, about Zacchaeus. And I think what he saw was Zacchaeus was ready. He was in position now for Jesus. And so Jesus, seeing that, decides to engage Zacchaeus because he's ready. He's ready. And he knows that he's there. Jesus is always looking. That's why, that's the other reason why I serve. I'm like, I'll never know if that simple gesture might lead someone who's actually been ready to receive Jesus or to know Jesus or to engage the conversation because Jesus is leading me there because he knows. It's as, listen, sometimes it doesn't seem obvious until afterwards and you go, wow, there's a lot of Zacchaeuses in my life that are sitting in a sycamore tree. They're above the crowd. They stand out. You can see them, but you don't see it right away. Who's the Zacchaeus in your life today? Who's the Zacchaeus that Jesus is positioning you to reveal Jesus himself to? Better yet, let me just say this. Now I'm with this. Karen, do you want to come back? Thursday afternoon when I was looking over my notes and I was fine-tuning some stuff. Disappointed that my haircut, haircut got canceled because I really needed one. It was bad, man. I 
a sudden, I was looking over this part about how God knew Zacchaeus. He knew his name. He knows you. And all of a sudden, the Lord just spoke to me and said, I want you to push this issue on Sunday. Because someone's going to be here that needs to know that they're loved and they're valued and that I see them where they are. And it's as obvious, as obvious as Zacchaeus in a sycamore tree above the crowd. It's crazy. And I and listen, no offense to the Thursday night crowd if they're listening to the podcast. I didn't have that feeling about the Thursday night crowd. Although I can make a joke about Jurgen right now, our next door neighbor, but anyways, I won't. Because I bug Jurgen all the time. But the Lord specifically told me that today someone would be here. And it might be more than one that needs to know that God sees you, He knows who you are, He loves you deeply. And he wants you, this is the word the Lord gave me this morning, he wants you to come home in relationship with him. I'm amazed. And you know what I'm amazed? And let me give you this challenge. I'm amazed at some of the things that Jesus did. He did the unexpected. Why? Because the mission, the mission to seek and save the lost was far more important than cultural appropriateness. You know, and my challenge to everyone in here, including myself, is you never know who's looking, but you know that Jesus is always looking, and he knows people by name, and they could be in a position to start their journey or maybe even begin their journey with Jesus right there and then. So do the unexpected. The crowd and Zacchaeus was shocked at what Jesus did. I want to hang out with you. Do the unexpected. And believe for the unexpected. You know, last Sunday, one of the greatest joys of a pastor is to get praise reports on some things that have happened on the Sunday. And last Sunday afternoon, while I was finishing up my lunch, I got a text from somebody who said, Hey, Pastor Craig, I just want to let you know. I invited a young lady to church with me on today. And... Uh, I just want to let you know she gave her heart to Jesus this afternoon. I was like, man, it's so good. And you know, going back to my story with my hairdresser, it led to me before I left. I said, hey, listen, no pressure, because she talked about religion, and I said, I'm not talking about that. And I said, check us out, communitychurch.ca. In fact, let me invite you to Christmas Eve. It's the thing to do. Go to church on Christmas Eve. Bring your daughter and your boyfriend and come to Christmas Eve. No pressure. She's like, yeah, and she wrote it down. I don't know where that's going to lead. But I know that the simple gesture is touching her heart. I'm believing that. I'm praying into that. Would you all stand with me all over this place? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.